Bienvenue dans le podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm reporting from Dakar, Senegal, where I'm traveling with a group of senior international officers from across the Southeastern Conference in the U.S. This is my first trip to Africa, so it was really exciting to spend some time with the SIOs and also meet students, parents, counselors, and teachers at the schools we visited. A highlight of the trip was the reception hosted by the U.S. Ambassador to Senegal, where we had a chance to meet with educators from across the country. In between school visits, education fairs, and airports, I had a chance to chat with a few of them, so take a listen. I'm here with Ms. Hanan at the Senegalese American Bilingual School. Ms. Hanan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Yeah, I know. It's like I was saying, this is my first day in Africa, first day in Senegal. I just flew in last night, so we're really excited to be part of this school visit today. But my podcast, the Destiny Benders podcast, we're curious to talk to people like you who are doing some incredible work in international education. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey? How did you end up at SABS? Well, my journey to SABS is a long story, but I'm going to make it short. So with education, I believe that the arts, culture, STEAM, it's all connected. I created my own curriculum called Arts Education, and I have the Arts Education Academy Network, which teaches all people about the truth about culture and the different connections, the truth about history, the truth about education. And it's taught in a different way. It's a hands-on approach. It's a multidisciplinary approach. It uh, includes multiple intelligences. And it's engaging and it's fun. And through this, I've made different connections all around the world. And I'm a dancer. I'm an artist. I'm a choreographer. And there's a huge festival that I do called Dance Africa that I'm a part of in Brooklyn. And I connected with a dancer from Senegal in 2016. And we stay connected. And then through the pandemic, through my organization, I started virtual programming because they didn't have any place to earn money. So I started a program. I started on my Zoom. People could tune in. You could take classes in Mali, Guinea, Senegal, and um, South Africa. And because of this, I saw, hmm, if they could teach with Wi-Fi, so can I. Yeah. So when everything was closed in the States, I came to Senegal through my organization because I'm also doing my dissertation, doing my doctorate of education yeah. in curriculum instruction and assessment. Okay. And at this time, you can only get in the country if you're doing research. So I had an invitation from the Minister of Culture to come and do research and do an assessment of the arts and culture sectors here in Senegal, in Kaolak. And then from that connection, I ended up in Dakar. And I was connected so many different ways. I kept getting connected to the school. Yeah. People kept saying, oh, you need to go to the school. Oh, wait, I'm doing this work. There's a, there's a school. So everybody that I was meeting in different places kept sending me to this school. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. Yeah. So when I came to this school and now I'm doing my curriculum here, I'm training teachers in the American program for the ELA. I'm working with the history department and I'm here living my dreams. And I love to be able to to work with you all over because youth are youth, yes. right? People yeah. are people. Kids, yeah. And we all need the same thing. We're all looking for the same thing. We all have the same questions. Yeah. We all have the same fears. And we all need something to motivate us. We all need something to inspire us. And I'm just grateful and blessed to be able to be here to inspire people from New York to Connecticut to Senegal and to all the different countries that are present because it is an international school. We have students yeah. from all over the world here. 
Yeah. Not just so that's pretty cool. But I mean, so you're killing it right now. But I'm, I bet you when you're growing up in the U.S., you weren't thinking, I'm going to move to Dakar, Senegal to do this. So what were you thinking when you are in high school? What did you go to college for? Where did you go to college? Well, actually, since I was young, I always knew that I would end up in Africa okay. because my family is Pan-African and Muslim. Okay. And my grandmother repatriated to Ghana over 30 years ago. Being in Africa was always part of the plan. Senegal was not part of the plan. Uh. But being in Africa was. And my trajectory, my path just happened to take me to Dakar. You know, so I went to a few different schools, yeah. right? Because I'm a I'm a STEAM person, right? Science, technology, engineering, arts, maths. I'm a I was I'm a was a gifted and talented student. So I was always in advanced programs. I was doing calculus when I was in fifth grade. Yeah. Right. So first I went to school for computer science. Then I did a double uh, I I switched and did a double major of dance and administration. So my bachelor's is in dance and administration. And then I also did a certificate program, a certification in arts administration. And then I did my first master's in dance education because I was a tenured teacher. You know, you have to get your master's, right? But then I always wanted to have my own school. That was always the goal. So I did my master's of educational leadership in educational leadership, massive educational leadership with an advanced certificate in school building leadership. I got that at Baruch College. My bachelor's ended up coming from Empire State, which is a a SUNY, but I went to computer science. That was City College, right? And now I'm doing my doctorate of education and curriculum instruction and assessment at Walden University, which is in Missouri. Sure, yeah. So that was my educational trajectory, but through all these different connections and everything that I do with the arts and connecting all these different people, professional developments, everything just led me here to this to school. Dakar, to to, right. This morning. Well, right. you know, we at, in the podcast, we, we talk about destiny benders. So we're talking about people who come into your life and just kind of maybe bend your destiny, change your life. Can you think of somebody in your life that's been that kind of role, uh, instrumental in helping you kind of figure out where you want to go or maybe bend your destiny, change your life? Yes. Outside of my parents and my family, I would say it would be my 12th grade dance teacher, Miss Patricia Dye. Uh, and she was very influential because she's the reason why I ended up being a part of that festival in the first place. And being a part of that festival is what helped to change my trajectory. And then in the midst of all of that, I also have lupus. I was diagnosed with lupus in 2010. To where I was in the hospital, I was in a wheelchair. I didn't even think all these things were possible. But through everything that I was doing and through the help and support of my family and, you know, Ms. Dye, who I call mom, you know, I'm here. You know, I've been able to to do everything I'm doing. I was able to take my brick and mortar school and turn it into a virtual institution, you know, so... And in the process, I'm assuming you're changing a lot of young people's lives. As we were just talking, you know, these kids are stressed out about what they should do. What's a message you give to your students when you're talking to them about their futures or how to plan for it or how to kind of go about achieving their passions in life? What do you what's the one piece of advice that you give up? The main thing that I tell them is figure out their passions and that there's no one way to do it. There's no one way to get there. You can have your goal, but be mindful that that goal may change and set yourself up in a way that you'll be able to adapt to all of those changes. And every experience that you have, every person that you meet is a step closer to that goal. And to enjoy yourself. You have to love what you do. Whatever you pursue, you're going to be doing this for a long time 
every day, eight hours, ten hours, twelve hours a day. You want to love it, right? So that's the main thing. What wakes you up inside? What do you love? What's your burning desire? And focus on that. Well, that's excellent advice, Miss uh, Hanan. Thank you so much for your time this morning. More power to you. Congratulations on getting this far, and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. I'm here with Sue Roberts, Associate Provost for Internationalization at the University of Kentucky. Sue, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. Uh, we've been uh, on the road a few days here. We're in Dakar, Senegal right now. Uh, but before I ask you a little bit about your work, I'm curious, can you tell our audience a little bit about how you got to where you are today, your journey? Yeah, hi. So I started at the University of Kentucky as a tenure-track professor some 30 years ago, and I've done various administrative roles. And I became a senior international officer for the university about five and a half years ago. Okay, sounds good. But let me take you back a little bit further than that, right? So you're from London. When you were in high school... I'm pretty sure you didn't think you're going to be a provost for internationalization at a large public university in the U.S. So can you tell us a little bit about maybe that part of your life? Sure. It's been a winding road to get where I am, I have to admit. I grew up just outside London, as you said, kind of a suburb of London. I went to university in England. I went to the University of Leicester, did my bachelor's degree in geography. I graduated during just about the worst year of Mrs. Thatcher's austerity program there. Unemployment was really high. Um, inflation was high. There seemed little prospect of me getting a job. And lots of my friends were what we called on the dole, taking mm. unemployment benefit. I did not want to do that. So I looked all over for opportunities to basically escape that. And I ended up applying to work in the United States as part of a work, ex work exchange program. So I came to the U.S. on a J visa and I worked, uh, I took a job as a waitress in a resort in northern Minnesota. Wow. So from London to Brainerd, Minnesota, like you said earlier. So you started as a waitress and then what happened? So I was a waitress for about six months. And then I, uh, I made contact with one of the families who had stayed at the resort and they invited me to be a nanny. So I became a nanny in a suburb of Minneapolis uh, for a winter in Minnesota, which was a big shock to me. <laughs> and then what happened? Uh, then I, I didn't actually like that very much. So I uh, met up with a friend. We traveled around the United States and I ended up back in England and I just got a job in a local pub. Um, but during my time in America traveling around, I had visited a casual acquaintance who was a graduate student at Ohio State, and she was a teaching assistant. And this was a revelation to me. I had no idea that there was such a thing. I really didn't even know there was graduate school, let alone that people would get paid to go and think and read. Um, so I started researching where I could apply to graduate school. I applied. And I um, was lucky enough to get accepted at uh, Syracuse University in the Maxwell mm -hmm. School. So I went there and did my master's after I'd been in England for a bit. Okay. And then how did you get on your professional career? I'm assuming yeah. you went on to teach. So after my master's, I returned to England actually for a year and a half. And I took a job there as a lecturer, temporary lecturer for a year at a place called Cambridge College of Arts and Technology, which now is Anglia Ruskin U University. And I found out that I really like teaching. In addition to being a student and learning and doing research, I really like teaching. So I came back to Syracuse and did my PhD. 
And from there, I ended up in Kentucky, a few stops in between. Okay. So you started teaching. You were a professor, a tenured professor at the University of Kentucky. What made you get into the international side of things? I have always loved the international work of a university. I think it's super important, uh, super important for the students to learn about the world that we are living in. I think it's just part of being a literate citizen now to understand the planet and what's happening, both in a physical sense, think of climate change, but also in a social sense um, and what's happening with people around the world. So that's always been a core of my research and of my teaching. So to have the opportunity to actually lead an international center at my university is is an enormous privilege, and I'm thoroughly enjoying my role. I mean, what an incredible journey. Do you ever just sit and wonder how you came here? I mean, from somebody who, like you said, didn't even know graduate school existed, ended up being a waitress at a resort in Brainerd, Minnesota, to leading internationalization efforts at one of the top universities in the U.S., must be like a dream. Sometimes it is a dream, and I... I sometimes can't even remember how I got there, got here, but I feel really lucky um, to have had the opportunities that I've had to to do work that I love. So I'm assuming along the way, like the podcast is called Destiny Benders. The whole idea is about how you and your role, all of us in international education, are changing people's lives, particularly students, uh, and thereby bending their destinies. Now, when you think back in your own life, Can you think of a couple of people who may have played that pivotal role, kind of got you on a path that maybe you didn't even think for yourself, and that's kind of how you ended up doing all the things you've done? So I think there's a couple of people. Growing up, I had an uncle who lived in Uganda. He was a a teacher and a principal in a boys' school there. He was eventually kicked out by uh, Idi Amin, but um, I remember talking to him a lot about his work in Uganda. And that, I think, was of interest to me. I didn't think I wanted to be, do that work, but it was interesting to me. Um, and I would say the person that most impacted me, probably, he doesn't even know it, was a person I talked to at Ohio State who told me how to apply to graduate school and what it took to be successful as a graduate student. And it was such such generous advice. Yeah. I mean, incredible work that the people in the field do. Now, on the flip side of it, can you think about maybe people that you've impacted? Uh, I know you probably touch a lot of students' lives and staff's lives throughout your work, but is there maybe a couple of examples, maybe even one example where you're like, you know what, that was an incredible opportunity and an experience to impact someone else's life? I think I've taught a lot of students over the years, so it's hard to remember specific individuals, but there is one young man I do remember uh, from Eastern Kentucky, which is a poor part of the state. I don't believe anyone else in his family had gone to university and successfully completed it anyway. And he really wanted to do study abroad, but his family was very reluctant to let him go. So I ended up meeting with him and his mother, actually, and talking them through what it would be like, reassuring her that uh, he would be safe and that he was a smart kid who would make good decisions um, and that he could keep in touch with her and so on anyway. Um, he did go on that education abroad program. And a couple of years back, he asked me for a reference. And he's actually teaching overseas right now. 
Oh, that's brilliant. So we wish you the best of luck. I hope you continue to change people's lives through the work that you're doing. And I know the last few days here in Senegal, you've been talking to a lot of students. So good luck with that. Good luck with everything. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, Girish. It's a pleasure. Hi, I'm here with Sandra Kelly, Vice Provost, Dean of Undergraduate Studies and Director of Global Carolina from the University of South Carolina in Columbia, South Carolina. Sandra, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm privileged to be here. Like I said, our podcast, Destiny Benders, we like to talk to international educators, kind of understand, first and foremost, how does somebody get into this field? And I'm sure everybody I've, I've spoken to accidentally gets into it. So I'm curious, tell us a little bit about how did you end up in your role now and what was your journey like? My journey was, well, I am international, so I originally came to the States from Canada. So, um, and eventually went to University of South Carolina, where I was a faculty member, and I do neuroscience and psychology. Um, and I did that for decades, almost. Uh, I went into administration, and originally I was just vice provost and dean of undergraduate studies. But I was part of a number of steering committees because, of course, they involve undergraduate students, and I need to know about international students. I'm also, I was also part of our recruiting efforts as well. Um, there was some leadership change and the person who was the director, vice provost and director of Global Carolina stepped down just really in uh, summer of 2020, right when COVID started. Um, there was some leadership change, et cetera. And basically it was, you will be director of Global Carolina as other duties as assigned. I just got added to my portfolio. Um, in part because I was the one person in the provost office who really kind of understood what was going on. Ah, interesting. So you said you're from Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm assuming when you were in high school and thinking about college, you weren't thinking, I'm going to be director of Global Carolina at no. the University of South Carolina. So tell me a little bit about, so when you're in high school, what did you think you were going to be doing? And what was your college career like? Where did you go? And how did you end up at South Carolina as a faculty? Again? kind of fell into things by accident. I was um, like, I'm first generation, went to a place called McMaster University mm -hmm. in Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to medical school because that's what first generation <laughs> students think about. But um, I ended up, Canadian system's different. Psychology was my elective as a freshman and it was my only elective, but I ended up really liking it. But I realized I still could go to medical school as a psychology major um, and I took all the sciences and things. And then in my final year, my fourth year, when I would apply for medical school, I also got, in quotes, a scholarship that let me be a TA for Psych 101. Okay. I think the scholarship paid like 75 cents an hour when you really were. It was like a scholarship and an honor, but yeah. <laughs> as a senior student, right? Mm. And I realized I really liked teaching. And so I was so confused in my final year, I applied to medical school and graduate school. Having never done any research in graduate as an undergrad, because I didn't know you were supposed to do that. So I just kind of applied for everything and then made the decision to go to graduate school. And it was the right decision. I realized I probably, um, while I'm caring, I'm not patient. And yeah. I think doctors uh, need, to be need, to be, need to be patient. <laughs> I'm much more patient now, but in my yeah. 20s, that was not the case. Um, and so... Yeah. It, and so I went to graduate school with no research experience, no idea of what I was getting into. And I loved it. I was lucky. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Like you said, everybody gets entered accidentally and that, that was your case. So first, tell us a little bit about the uh, Global Carolina program. What does that entail? 
The Global Carolina includes um, a number of different parts. It, co- it includes our Education Abroad Office, and then it includes our International Student and Scholar Services. Um, and then we also have an uh, English programs for internationals as part of it. So it's, it's those three pieces. But we also um, oversee international contracts, whether they be uh, research or dual degrees. So the reason there's a, a vice provost is we do a lot of academic Ah, agreements and that that really has to come through the provost office the podcast is called destiny benders the whole idea is about how people particularly in international education are changing people's lives i mean the last few days we spent in senegal speaking to students obviously encouraging them to explore global education is part of what we do but at the same time um, we know people come into our lives and have an Mm -hmm. impact on our lives so can you tell us a little bit about maybe one or two people who've been in your life that have really changed your life or bent your destiny and kind of got you on a path? So there were, I, I'm thinking through that. There was a lot of luck and yeah. ignorance when I made choices. So, um, but there was, I had a. But isn't that the truth for almost yeah, everybody, yeah. right? So yeah. I had a physics professor who yeah. was real encouraging as an undergrad. I would go and talk to him about kind of what I was doing. Um, and then my postdoc mentor at the University of Iowa was a huge mentor, um, very uh, supportive of my career. You know, he'd give talks and say my name so many times it'd get embarrassing. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was wonderful to have, he was, you know, a nationally known researcher, but he also yeah. was a real good mentor. So yeah. those, those were huge influences probably. Yeah. Anything specific either one of them said to you that you remember, that you recall all the time and remind yourself? So my postdoc mentor, for from a research point of view, would always, always say, this is classic, he would always say, so what is the important question? So he would really make us stand back and think about what the big picture was. Yeah, yeah. As an undergrad, you learn how to write in a real basic way. And as a graduate student, you learn how to write in a very clear way. But as a postdoc, he taught me how to write in a real powerful way. Wow. That is powerful. That's a very, very, very good message. And I continue to learn how to write, by the way. That's like an ongoing life journey. But he showed me really how to to play the grant game, how to write such that you can really say what is important yeah. and clearly express that. And you don't really do that as a graduate student. Sure. You just yeah. want to be clear. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Good good point. Yeah. And I'm sure that comes in handy even today in your current role. Yes. Trying to do all these yes. international programs and whatnot. Um, any advice you would give to a young uh professional coming into the field of international education from years years your years of experience now, mm-hmm. what would what did you wish you knew when you got started in international? Oh, it's been such a learning curve for me. I, it's, it's not, not something that I wish I knew because I knew it before, but it's something that drives home how important it is and how meaningful it is for students from international destinations to come to the U.S. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. When I talk with students who've done education abroad, they're transformed. You know, I'm from the state of South Carolina. Those, yeah. some of those students have never been outside the state. Um, and so they come back transformed and really become world citizens. And I really do feel that that just helps the world, yeah. actually. I couldn't agree more. Thank you, Sandra. Good luck with everything that you're doing. It was a pleasure traveling with you the last few days. And wish you the best of luck expanding Global Carolina. Thank you very much. That's it from Dakar. Hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't had a chance to visit Senegal, you really should. It's a beautiful country with some wonderful people. 
I'll be back with Jessica, Messi, Alessame, and Prochen. You're listening to Destiny Benders. Next week, we speak with Dr. Osman Sen, who's the director of the West African Research Center in Dakar, Senegal. Senegal.